Vincent's Voice Podcast, brought to you by your friends at First City Church of Christ. We meet at Holiday Inn Express, located at 2720 Battery Road in Vincent's, Indiana. You are invited to be our guest at any of our services. Meet Sunday morning at 10 for Bible study and 11 for worship. We also assemble on Sunday afternoon at 3 for worship. On Wednesday evening, we gather for Bible study at 7. To contact us, you can visit our website at First City. Churchofchrist.com or call 317-308-8288. On this podcast, our aim is to speak where the Bible speaks, to be silent where the Bible is silent. The Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, grab your Bible, some paper and a pen, and join us on this episode of the Vincent's Voice Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the idea of worship, but before we get into that, we want to thank you for joining us. We encourage you to get out of the Bible and follow along as we study from God's Word. And I also want to let you know that we have with us today one of our good members at First City Church of Christ, Greg Burson. It's good to have him with us. And once again, we have my son with us, Trey Ping. He will be helping us out as well. And so all along in these different podcast episodes we've been making, we've been asking questions. And today's question is, how does the Lord's Church worship? It's a very important question in today's religious climate. So again, get at your Bibles, maybe even jot down some notes as we go through this episode. I think the best place, guys, to start here is to kind of look at the definition of what worship is. And so Trey, why don't you, how would you define worship? What do you think it means to worship? What would a dictionary say? A dictionary would say to pay homage to God, to bow down, fall down, to uh, laud or magnify. Okay. And so I guess if you put all those together, that's the basic idea of worship. You know, I think my favorite one there is magnify, which is is to make something or somebody bigger. And, of course, God being the object of our worship, uh, we want to make him bigger through uh, our worship. All right. So that's the definition of worship. Okay, Greg, um, what about the need for worship? Is there a need for it? There certainly is a need for worship, and we can see that if we would turn over to Psalms chapter 29 and verse number 2, and I'd like to read that for us. It says, Give unto the Lord, O mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. And in verse 2 it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And the key word in that verse is the word due, D-U-E, which means something that we owe. It's a debt that we have to, to God. So it's our obligation. It's our duty to um, worship God. Okay, very good. I, I, I like the way you stress the word due. It's like if you went into a restaurant and sat down to eat, 
uh, we, we somebody may see the total due is forty five dollars. That means we have an obligation. Very good. I, I like the way you put that. All right. So that's the definition of worship, and that's the need for worship. Now, just for a few moments, guys, let's talk about the kinds of worship mentioned in the Bible. One that I think always needs to be brought up, but maybe it's not every time, is that it's possible to have vain worship. Uh, Matthew 15, verse 9, Jesus said, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And you can see that in some of the other gospel accounts as well. Now, the word vain means empty or useless of no value. So apparently there is a way that I can worship that it, it contains no value. And by the way, that's true. It's no value to me, and it's of no value to God. And I certainly want my worship to mean something, but I think it's, it's uh, important for us to point out that our worship can be in vain. So vain worship is, is one uh, possibility. Now, real quickly, if you, if you go and read Colossians 2 and verse 23, uh, some versions will talk about will worship. Uh, I think some versions say self-imposed religion. Basically, what will worship is, is that the way I can think of it is I will worship the way I want to, not necessarily the way God wants me to worship, but I will worship the way I want to, which of course is, is totally a false uh, idea that, that this does not come from the word of God. I think that describes, by the way, a lot of people in the world today, worship wise, is that they'll do any number of things, call a worship, and then expect God to accept that. It just doesn't work that way, does it? All right, so vain worship and will worship. Okay, Trey, are there any other kinds of worship mentioned in the Bible? Well, there's truthful worship. John chapter 4 and verse 24 reads that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so if somebody were to ask you what is truthful worship, what is that? They may not know what that means, so what does that mean? To be worshiping and the way that's right, to be worshiping according to the Word, the Bible. Okay, so truthful worship is then what you're saying is we read the Word of God, tells us how to worship, that's how we do it. That's truthful worship. Okay, very good. Okay, Greg, are we missing any? Yeah, in that same verse we can see that we need to worship in spirit. So I think that just has the idea that we need to be excited, we need to be energized when we're at worship, realizing who we're here to worship. Okay, very good. You guys listening might remember this if you're old enough i guess i'll leave trey and greg out of this but i can remember growing up at basketball games uh one uh fan block would say we have spirit yes we do we have spirit how about you and then the other side would chant the same thing just keep going back and forth and they're not talking about having the holy spirit are they they're not talking about um we have a soul inside of us that's not what they're saying but this excitement the enthusiasm that that they have and as you said that's our, our worship needs to be spirit. It needs to have that enthusiasm. All right, so vain worship, will worship, truthful worship, and spirited worship are all different kinds of worship that you can see mentioned in the Word of God. Now, let's move on, guys, and think about the time for worship. Uh, this is something that maybe we don't hear enough about, maybe in our assemblies, but we need to bring it up, that some some folks teach that all of life is worship, no matter no matter what we're doing, when we when we come into the meeting house and we're talking about yesterday's game or after the services, we're talking about we're going to go for lunch, that's not worship. And when we go to work, that's not worship. All of life is not worship. And I want to make sure that we're clear on this. We're not saying 
that we don't need to be devoted to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because we need to be. But all of life is not considered a worship, is it? Now, I know you guys are good Bible students. Uh, where would you take somebody um, to show, indeed, that all of life is not worship? I think a good place that we could go is in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 5. And we can, as we know that this is the account when Abraham was um, told that he needed to sacrifice his son Isaac. And when he had all the provisions together, they went to the place where they were going to worship. And it says in verse 22, verse 5, Genesis 22, 5, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So we can see here that they went to a place to worship, but the other men did not. Okay, very good. So you pointed out the great important things. They, they had a, a place and time of worship there in Genesis 22, 5. Very good. Okay, Trey, anywhere else you might take somebody? I also think that uh, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 5 also talks pretty good about that. It says that, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And it says that at the time you hear these things, that's when you're to worship the golden isle. So it shows that they were not worshiping every time, all day, every day. It showed that there was a specific time they were to worship. All right, very good. And just so we're clear, Trey, nor I, or Greg are talking about need, the need to worship the golden idol. Okay, but even this, it's more, even Nebuchadnezzar there realized all of life is not worship. He, you know, he's, as Trey stated, he knew that there was a, a specific time to fall down and worship. So if he, if he knew that, then I think we need to, to appreciate that as well. Uh, so not all of life is worship. There's a time and a place for it. And, um, and that may be, that, that time and place may differ from city to city. Uh, but there's a time and place for worship and time and place for uh, things not to be worship. Okay, now the final thing I'm going to spend a few minutes on is talking about the channels of worship. And the reason we refer to it that way is uh, Greg, I think Greg and, and Trey both read uh, John 4, 24, where it refers to God is his spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, we talked about truthful worship and spirited worship from that verse. But one thing we haven't said about that verse is it contains the object of our worship, and that is God. We worship him, and we worship him only. So he's the object of our worship, but he's not physically sitting right here in front of us in this room or in any assembly place. He's not sitting there in front of us where we can look at him face-to-face and directly worship him. We don't, we don't do that or personally worship him. So we use the word channels or ways uh, through which we worship God. And when we read the New Testament, what we end up finding, there are five ways that we see the New Testament church uh, worshiping God, five channels, if you will, that the New Testament, uh, uh, the New Testament Christians were worshiping God. So we want to go over those. Now, the first thing we see, and this is not necessarily in any order, I just want to list the five for all of us is that we find them singing. Uh, there are 10 or 11 places in the New Testament, by the way, that talk about the idea of, of singing or singing or saying. And one of those is in Ephesians 5 and 19, where it talks about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, 
Uh, a similar verse uh, to that is Colossians 3 and verse 16, where it talks about us singing. It adds, though, that while we sing, we teach and admonish one another through uh, our singing. And so God says to sing. And so that's what we do uh, when we come together to worship God. One thing that we do is that we sing. Uh, God didn't say I have to be a beautiful singer or uh, that I have to sing like the birds in the morning, but he just said to sing, didn't he? All right, so one way we praise God and magnify God, back to our definition, is that we sing. That's one channel of worship. Okay. Also, we might consider the idea of praying as a channel of worship. One really, really good verse to maybe commit to memory, as we've done here at First City, is Acts 2 and verse 42, because the church has been born, hasn't it, fellas? And we see them uh, behaving as a church in Acts 2, 42. And it says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And we'll come up to that here in a few moments. In fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Uh, so one thing we saw the early church doing as they were worshiping God, what were they involved in in praying? We saw them gathered together praying uh, for Peter who was in prison in the book of Acts 12 and verse 12, uh, for example. You guys have any verses in you favorite verses about praying? One that I was thinking of was 1 Thessalonians 5:17 where we're told to pray without ceasing. Um, not that we pray 24 hours a day, but prayer should be something that's continually in my life. Very good. Okay, Trey, any verses you want to bring up about prayer? I think uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, where it talks about Daniel. It says that now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So he made a custom to be praying daily and more than once in a day. Okay, and the word custom there is probably the same word that we use as far as habit. He, he was in the habit of praying, wasn't he? And we, we need to be as well. And one thing we should be doing when we come together to worship God in those times and places that we come together, we sing and we pray. And there are other channels as well, aren't there? Three other channels. Okay, Trey, why don't you talk to us about one of the other ones? Uh, let's do communion and the or the Lord's Supper. Uh, okay. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 reads that, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So we see there that we are to partake in the Lord's Supper. And it's made up of two parts, made of the olive bread, which represents Jesus' uh, broken body, and also the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood that was shed on the cross. Okay, so... I think it'd be good for us to stop here and ask a few, a couple of questions about the Lord's uh, Supper that <clears throat> some people have queries about, uh, maybe especially concerning uh, the Church of Christ. Uh, how often, how often does the Lord's Church partake of the Lord's Supper? It's partaking on every first day of the week. Okay, every first day of the week. Now, does Acts twenty and verse seven? say every first day of the week it says no on the first day of the week and since it doesn't specify anything else that means we're gonna have to take it every week if it said do it the second sunday every month that would be different but it doesn't say that for instance you think about the sabbath in the old testament when moses was told about it he told you know six days work but on the seventh to keep it set apart and to do no work 
but he wasn't told to do it. He just said, keep the Sabbath. And so Moses never asked God which Sabbath to keep because he knew from what God said that it's going to be every Sabbath. Okay, I think, yeah, the Sabbath day is a good example. Uh, we don't, yeah, we don't see Moses scratching his head, acting confused as to which Sabbath to keep. He knew um, it was every Sabbath. And maybe a good rule of thumb, maybe, for us to remember is we celebrate an event as often as it comes around. So every week has a fir- first day, doesn't it? So we celebrate the Lord's Supper then every first day of the week because every week has a first day. It's like we celebrate a birthday once a year because that's how often it comes around. Same thing for uh, the Lord's Lord's Supper. Um, maybe maybe some of our listeners, guys, have been to a restaurant that on the wall has a plaque that says the Lions Club meets here Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Okay, so if us three were eating there and said, you know, I'm interested in what the Lions do, when are we going to go to see what the Lions do? We would be there on a Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Okay, and... The, it, it infers, we're forced to conclude then that they meet every Tuesday because it doesn't say second Tuesday or fourth Tuesday. Just like we're forced to conclude then that they met every first day of the week um, to break bread according to Acts 20 and verse 7. Okay, very good. So we've talked thus far about singing, about praying, about communion and the Lord's Supper. And then, Greg, what do you have? The next um, channel that we have is giving or taking up a collection and we can see that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, where it says, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So again, we see here that first, again, the first day of the week. So it would be every first day of the week that we take up a collection. And then also, I think we can get some further instruction if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we see here that there's a purpose that we need to have purposed in our heart. We're not told a a percentage, a dollar amount. We're told that it needs to be purposeful, not grudgingly or of necessity, and also that it needs to be cheerful. Okay, very good. So... Are there any other means uh, mentioned in the Bible as far as how the Lord's church is to to raise money? No, there's no other means mentioned. Okay, so we don't have garage sales. We don't have pie suppers. We don't have fundraisers. The only way we raise money then, as you're saying, is, is by what we might say a free will offering on the first day of the week. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Okay. And what Trey and Greg both covered, both of those, by the way, uh, specified the first day of the week, didn't it? In Acts 20, verse 7, with regard to the Lord's Supper, and then the first day of the week with regard to giving. And so, therefore, uh, if you were to visit with us on a Wednesday night, and we hope any of you would visit with us on a Sunday or a Wednesday, but if you were to visit with us on a, on a Wednesday, you would not see us taking the Lord's Supper or not taking up a collection. And the obvious reason is is because that's not the first day of the week, right? Okay. All right. So we've covered singing, praying, communion, or the Lord's Supper, and the giving or collection. So that leaves us one, uh, one more channel of worship, and that is preaching and teaching. 
And we've already read previously earlier, Acts 2 and verse 42, where it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, the word doctrine, and some versions actually might change the word doctrine to teaching. And so when we come together, we need to be involved in the same veins as the early church uh, were involved in. And we see them teaching. We see them preaching. And it might be through a Bible class session. It might be a more traditional sermon where, you know, the preacher is preaching. But there needs to be some instruction every single time we come together uh, because not only do we see them doing that um, as a part of worship in the first uh, century church, but it's also beneficial. We need to be we need to be uh, trying to grow in knowledge and, and wisdom. I think for any preacher like myself or any of us when we preach, uh, one verse we should have memorized is Second Timothy four and verse two, and the first three words are preach the word. Uh, we're told to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, re- rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Uh, and doctrine. And he goes on to say why, because there's a time coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. So we need to be preaching and teaching from from God's word. And I know at First City Church of Christ, we try really hard to make sure our Bible classes um, and our sermons are completely Bible-based. They come from the word of God. We're not going to be um, quoting from men's books uh, or words from men. We're going to be uh, quoting from God and His Word as we preach and as we as we teach, and so there you go. There are five channels of worship. We have singing, praying, communing, or the Lord's Supper. You may want to refer to it as that. The giving uh, or the collection, and then preaching and teaching. Those are the five things we see the early church involved in. And therefore, if we're trying to mimic the early church, we need to be uh, doing those things as well. Okay, that brings then a conclusion to our study on the worship of the church. If you have any questions about anything that we said today or anything we taught today, we want you to get in touch with us, and we will try our very best to help you understand what we're trying to say that emanates from the Word of God. As we try to say each and every time, if there's a topic that you would like for us to cover Maybe you have a favorite book of the Bible, a favorite verse, favorite passage. Maybe there's a uh, something you have a question about. Get in touch with us. Let us know what those suggestions are, those questions are, and we'll try our very best to accommodate that request and, and to try to make an episode out of that. We really appreciate you listening to us today or joining us for this episode. As always, we encourage you to do those things that are good. We hope that God will bless you in the good things that you're trying to do. And we thank you for joining us. We hope that you have a great day. We'll see you next time on the Vincent's Voice podcast. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vincent's Voice podcast. Ensure you receive the most up-to-date episodes. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you have any questions or would like to suggest a topic for future episodes, you can contact us at firstcitychurchofchrist.com or by calling 317-308-8288. If you are in the Vincent's Indiana area, we hope you will visit with us at First City Church of Christ. We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and 3 p.m., and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We hope this episode has been beneficial to you and has brought glory to God. Always remember, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all 
in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3 and verse 17. Until next time, may God be with you and bless you in all the good you do. Goodbye.